Well, on Sunday nights, we are looking, taking a couple of weeks, and we're looking at what a biblical deacon is all about. Tonight, I want to talk to you about the deacon and his walk. The deacon and his walk. This evening, we're going to be looking at a passage of Scripture over in Acts, chapter number 6. Kind of a character study, if you would. I know the screen says Ephesians, but we're going to be over in Acts uh, this evening. Uh, but a character study on a deacon by the name of Stephen. Stephen was a deacon. While you're finding your place over in Acts chapter 6, before we read this passage of Scripture, uh, since Valentine's Day was on Thursday, let me, let me give you this. You know, a lot of times, Sue, I, I tell something funny, and it's not always doctrinally correct, okay? So this is one of those things. It's not doctrinally correct, but it is make us have a good little chuckle. So there was this lady that passed away, and she went to heaven. And as she was walking to the pearly gates, Dwight, she walked up to say, St. Peter, and uh, she got to St. Peter, and she said, I made it to heaven. He said, uh, no, not, not, not yet. He said, in order for you to get to heaven, you got to spell a word. She said, spell a word? And uh, he said, yeah. She said, well, what word do I have to spell? Uh, he said, the word love. Oh, she said, oh, that's easy, love, L-O-V-E, love. She, he said, congratulations, welcome to heaven. And the pearly gates opened, and as soon as she stuck her foot there, there was an angel that called for Peter and said, Peter, Peter, come quick. Peter turned to the lady, and she said, he said, ma'am, you've got to stand right here at this post. You do exactly as I did, exactly as I did. Do not deviate from what I did. You do exactly as I did. Everything will be fine. I'll be right back, and off Peter ran. Well, she sure enough was standing there, and it wasn't ten minutes later she looked up, and lo and behold, her ex-husband came walking up to the pearly gates. She looked at him, and she said, what in the world are you doing here? He said, I made it to heaven, didn't I? She said, not so fast. She said, in order for you to get to heaven, you have got to spell a word. He said, spell a word. Well, what word do I have to spell? She thought about it a moment and said, Czechoslovakia. <laughs> All right, Acts, Acts chapter number 6. Acts chapter 6. Let's look and see what happened here in Acts chapter 6. We're going to be in a lot of different passages. We've been up and down all night, so you just stay seated. Follow along with me, if you, if you will. Acts chapter 6, beginning in verse number 1. Let's go ahead and start in verse 1. Let's make sure we've got the context, and we'll jump around just a little bit. The Bible says, And in those days, when the number of disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews. Anytime you get a bunch of born-again children of God together, somebody's going to be griping about something somebody else. That's why John wrote 1st, 2nd, 3rd John where he said you need to love one another. Love one another. But I want you to notice why this whole thing arose when it comes to the area and ministry of deacons. There was some murmuring going on and, and we needed some people. The Bible says there were some individuals that were needed to come alongside and to help first of all this murmuring. The Bible says the reason why they were murmuring is because the widows were neglected in the daily menstruation. Now what does that mean? They were neglected. What were they being neglected of? Uh, the widows needed help getting their gutters cleaned out. They needed the help getting the ditches in front of their homes cleaned out. Somebody needed to change the oil in the camel. I mean, there just was some things that needed to happen. And in order for them to happen, the widows couldn't do them. So there needed some help to come along to help them uh, get those things running. And so here we see in verse number 2, Then the twelve called the multitude of disciples,
disciples unto them and said, It's not reason that we should leave the Word of God to serve tables. He says it's very hard for us. He's not saying we're not going to do it. He's just saying if we're going to do things in order and the preachers are going to preach, then we need somebody to help us serve the people of the church. And so here's where we go in verse number 3. Wherefore, because of this, brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, or brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. It says we need somebody over this thing, and they need to be over to the capacity that they can take care of the widows. They can take care of the murmurings there between the Grecians and the Hebrews. We need some help with this. Verse number 5, and the saying, please, the whole multitude. Everybody said, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. And notice the first one that they chose. The first one that they chose was Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost. And then the Bible goes on several men. Look at what the Bible says in verse number 7. And the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and a great company of priests were obedient to the faith. That is because of this, because the widows and the Grecians and the Hebrews stopped fighting, stopped bickering, all because the deacons came in and helped with unification, helped with love, helped with prayer. The Bible tells us that because of that, the men of God were able to communicate the Word of God and some of the religious priests, those that were tied up in religion, came to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior and Lord. Verse number 8, oh, I love this. And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. Here's a deacon that absolutely was burning hot, hot, hot for Jesus Christ. Turn over, if you would, to, to the next chapter, chapter number 7, and look down at verse number 51. And you see, <laughs> you can see Stephen's, um, let's call it zeal. Notice Stephen's zeal as he preaches great wonders and miracles in the name of Jesus Christ as he's ministering to individuals. Look at what he says in verse 51. The Bible says, you stick-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, you do always resist the Holy Ghost as your fathers did, so do you. Well, I'm telling you what, Stephen would not be good in this uh, how to win people and influence friends right there. He flat told them the truth. He said, the reason why you're in the shape you're in is because you're stiff-necked and you're uncircumcised in your heart and, and in your ears, and you're always resisting the Holy Ghost. Dear friend, it, we'd be absolutely amazed what we would do if we'd stop resisting the Holy Ghost. Uh, we'd be able to speak when we think we were unable to speak. Uh, I thought about this. Um, been been mulling this over in my mind. There was a really bad wreck uh, in, uh, I believe it was Danielsville. Did y'all see about that head-on collision there in Danielsville? A bad, bad wreck there. Uh, one of the individuals that was injured in that wreck worked at Starbucks right here at Banks Crossing. Uh, many times I saw that young man. And uh, several times I would ask him to join us to worship here uh, at church. 
and he'd say that, well, my dad uh, is involved in ministry, and uh, I go to church with him. And I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful that he was in church, and as far as I know, he's a born-again believer, but he's in critical condition at one of the hospitals there in, uh, in, in Atlanta. And the bottom line is simply this. You never know when something's going to happen. We need to listen to the Holy Ghost so that we can have zeal and not be afraid in times of opportunity so that we can share a good word and encourage someone to be with us. So look at what happens here in verse 52. The Bible says, Which of the prophets have not your fathers persecuted? And they have slain them which showed before of the coming of the just one, being Jesus, and of whom you have been now the betrayers and murderers, and have received the law by the dispensation of angels and not kept it. Now, he just simply says, listen, you guys are disobeying God, and you're going to face the wrath of God if you don't join God, if you don't get right with God. And uh, the bottom line is, here was a deacon that not only served, but he was one that also was able to communicate the truth to a lost and dying world. Look at what happened in verse 54. The Bible says, when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart. That's called conviction. That's the New Testament way of saying they were under deep conviction. And the Bible says that they gnashed on him with their teeth. Instead of turning to Jesus Christ, they took revenge upon themselves and they began to bite Stephen and began to persecute him. Verse 55. But he being full of the Holy Ghost looked up steadfastly in heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God and said, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon him in, with one accord and threw him or cast him out of the city and stoned him. Now, I always have to make a mention here because we're living in the 21st century. It's vitally important when they say they stoned Stephen. And I'm not trying to be funny or facetious, but I'm telling you, there's a generation that when they see that word, it means something different to them. He's not talking about them smoking marijuana with Stephen. What he's referring to here is they picked up stones, rocks, and they began to throw those rocks at him, trying to kill him, trying to murder him. Now, this is called stoning. It happens even today in these foreign countries. The Bible says, And the witness laid down their clothes at the young man's feet. Uh, whose name was Saul. And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Uh, and he knelt down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. That is, he died. Stephen gave his life serving the Lord. Stephen was a deacon. He loved Jesus even unto death. One thing we learn from Stephen's life in relationship to this issue of deacon and being a deacon is that we should love God more than anything else. We love God more than anything else. Uh, this evening, I want us to take Stephen's life and I want us to think about his walk and what we can learn from Stephen's walk as a deacon. I hope it challenges our deacons to walk in the same manner. But I also hope that it challenges each one of you to walk in that same manner as well. The Bible tells us in Colossians chapter 3 in verses 1 through 4, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth at the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above, not on the things of the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him 
in glory. The Bible is clear. For us that know Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. What shall we or why should we fear what man can do to us? According to the life of Stephen, his godly walk, there are three things that I want to share with you about his life that I noticed. Number one, the first thing I want you to notice is that Stephen had a walk of fullness. Stephen had a walk of fullness. The church in Acts chapter 6 was looking for men that had been time-tested and proven. And the qualifications that are set before for a deacon, there's no doubt that Stephen met all of the qualifications, six of which were highlighted. I'd like to share those with you today. Six qualifications of which we all must be, if you would, as children and daughters of God, as sons and daughters of God, we should be saying this is the character quality of ourselves as born-again children of God. What are these character qualities? Number one, he was known to be honorable. Stephen was known to be an honorable man. A deacon and his conduct and his character ought to stand out in such a way that people both on the inside and on the outside of church count them as being honorable men. I have seen uh, many different kinds of deacons over the course of my life. Uh, you know that there are some deacons that are lost. David, were you a lost deacon? Absolutely. Uh, you know, lost people can be deacons, just like lost people can be members. But in regards to this issue of being an honorable man, I'm not saying David was not an honorable man. I'm sure David was a very honorable man. But he was an honorable lost man. They didn't know Jesus Christ as his personal Savior and Lord. Now, uh, I pretty much have been in three churches, actually four churches my whole life. My home church, uh, I served as the college and career director for a season in my internship. I didn't get to sit in on any deacons meetings at my home church. But I have got to sit in, and I remember the three primary deacons meetings, my first deacons meetings that I ever sat in. One at my first full-time uh, ministry. I'll never forget it. I sat in that very first deacon's meeting and I saw what equated to a deacon-led church. Now a deacon-led church thinks deacons are to be that of administrators and not that of servants. Last week we studied and we saw in the Word of God that deacons are a servant ministry, not an administration ministry. And so in thinking about that and knowing this to be true according to the Word of God, at uh, my very first church that I was at, I saw deacons that led from a position of a board instead of a body. See, we don't have a deacon board here. We have a deacon body here. And our body of deacons, to which we like to refer to just as biblical deacons, have a role of service. But not in that first uh, church that I saw. In the first church I saw, there were a board of deacons. And what they basically did was they basically told the pastor what he could and could not do. Dear friend, that limits your pastor. Your pastor begins to answer to a deacon board instead of answering to the Lord. And if the Lord puts something on the pastor's heart and he has to come and get approval by the deacons, who's more important, the deacon board or the Lord Jesus Christ? Man, I was so hurt inside as I watched this pastor in defeat uh, suggestion after suggestion after suggestion uh, as it was fought and as it was cast down. No, you can't do that. No, you can't do this. No, you can't do that. No, you can't do this. Boy, it broke my heart to see that these men who were called honorable 
to hurt this deacon like they did, or hurt this pastor like they did. I'll never forget, I stood up and I was preaching one day as the pastor was gone, and I was preaching on this issue of how we needed to stand up and be a witness for Jesus Christ, and we needed to do this in every area of our lives. I challenged the kids that were in the service that day, the young people, to be a witness for Jesus and be a missionary in their schools. You know me, I'm pretty passionate. I speak When I speak and preach, I spit a little bit, and I did on that service, and I just reared back and, and just spoke with uh, urgency and with zeal and preached as hard as I could preach. Well, it wasn't long, just a couple of days later on Tuesday, I got a call from the pastor, got called in his office. I was told that my zeal was too strong. I was told that uh, uh, I should not be so passionate about the Bible. It was coming from a deacon. As a matter of fact, I'll never forget this as long as I live. I, I want a little boy to the Lord while I was at this church and I wanted to baptize him, and he wanted to be baptized. He'd lost his dad. His dad was dead. And he lived with his mother just across the street from the church. And I wanted to see the boy baptized. He wanted to be baptized. His mother wanted to be baptized. She loved me. I loved her, man. It was a great, great family, but I couldn't baptize him. You want to know the reason why? Because the little boy was black. When you want to talk about a heartbreak, That's right. to be called on the carpet by a a so-called man of God that says he loves God, that says he follows the Bible, yet he tells me who I can and can't baptize? Man, I got a real problem with that. I'm here to tell you as a born-again child of God, I got to answer to a higher power. And the fact of the matter is, red, yellow, black, or white, we're all precious in his sight. I don't care what color you are. We all bleed red. We all bleed, have blood inside of us, and we all need the blood of Jesus to be saved. Well, God didn't keep me there very long after that. He put me in another church. And at this church, I got to see a beautiful illustration of what biblical deacons are all about. This was a pastor-led church. And I'll never forget sitting in there. A man by the name of Tom Thompson was there. And as Tom Thompson was there, he looked uh, at the, around the room. And there was uh, the pastor. And there was me. And Tom said this before. He said it several times. But it was a recurring theme in Tom's life. Tom was a little bit older. He was probably one of the oldest gentlemen in the church. He, he would stand up and he would sing that old hymn, How Beautiful Heaven Must Be. How many of you remember that song, How Beautiful Heaven Must Be? Man, I can hear it in my, in my ear just now. He had that old weak, crackly voice. And he'd sing that song, How Beautiful Heaven Must Be must be how beautiful heaven must be sweet home of the land and the free and man we would all tear up because we knew it wasn't going to be long till tom was going to be with jesus tom would sit in that deacon's meeting and he'd look around the room and he'd look at the pastor and i was the youth pastor at this time and he'd look around that room and he'd look at us and he'd say man talking to me and the pastor he said i only got one thing to say to you if you're going to come minister here into this community if you're going to come minister at this church you need to know one thing we all get along around here. We all get along around here. And man, he was so right. I'm telling you what, that deacon in that church, he set the standard for unity. And whenever Tom was in the room, you knew that we were going to love one another. I'm here to tell you, deacons have that power. They have the power to unite, or watch this, they have the power to rip a church apart. Man, I've seen it happen on both ways. Then I remember when I first came here, and I experienced the biblical deacon uh, body that's here at Maysville Baptist Church. First time I was with you in your very first deacon's meeting. I'll never forget it as long as I lived. You put your hands on me and you prayed for me. You prayed for my family. And you asked God to give your pastor the wisdom to lead this church. 
Well, I'm so grateful that you did that. Man, it does my heart so well when you gather around me and you pray for me and you pray for my family. The Bible tells us that men of God ought to be honorable. Man, I want to thank you, church. Church, you have honorable deacons. Who they say they are on Sunday is the same as who they say they are on Monday. I'm grateful to God that we've got deacons here that are unashamed of the Lord Jesus Christ. And regardless of what area of ministry that they're in, they stand firm and they stand true. I have never got a phone call from anybody in the surrounding area to tattletale on one of our deacons. As a matter of fact, I've been questioned a few times, and they'd say, hey, you know so-and-so. i say, uh, yeah, I know so-and-so. they say, they're one of your deacons, aren't they? i say, yeah, they are. Well, let me tell you about what they did. They didn't know I was watching, but I watched them do this. Now, I'm telling you, God has given us some honorable men. I'm grateful for you men. The Bible tells us that if we're going to have a walk of fullness, we need to walk in the area of being honorable. Number two, we need to have men that's willing to serve on teams. The church chose seven men to serve on a team. Dear friend, we have 19 uh, uh, deacons here at Maysville Baptist Church, and each deacon uh, is, makes up, uh, we have three deacons that make up a team. Each team has a group of people. It's called the Deacon Family Ministry. If you're curious as to who your deacon is, then when you leave today, when you go out these back doors, turn to the left right there. You'll see our deacon board. There's a list of all of our deacons and potential deacons, and you'll notice them, and as you see them, and you notice them, uh, you look and see what uh, uh, category they represent. You can also find it online, and you can see who your deacon is. Number three, let me give you a third thing. The Bible says Stephen was a man of a good reputation. I thank God that we've got deacons that have good reputations. Um, I, I'm so grateful that uh, the reputation that our deacons have hadn't been slandered. But they've been men that love God and are moving in the right direction. Number four, the Bible says the deacon ought to be a man that's filled with the Spirit of God. Stephen was filled with the Spirit of God. Again, we emphasize this quality. And by the way, uh, one of the reasons why we need to be filled with the Spirit of God, now that word filled there means to be being filled, a continual filling. Now why do we have to have a continual filling of the, of, uh, the Holy Spirit in regards to being filled with the Spirit? Well, because we're in this world and we leak. I mean, you get around, you, you walk around in dirt long enough, you're going to get dirt on your feet. That dirt's going to get on your feet. Same thing is true. And so when we get the Holy Spirit of God, we get all the Holy Spirit. But being filled with the Spirit of God, being filled up to the top, is one by which we have many, many fillings. I'm grateful to the Lord that we have men that are filled with the Holy Spirit. And by the way, let me just say this. To be filled with the Holy Spirit of God means you spend time in the Word of God. You spend time in the Word of God. Uh, boy, I've had some deacons in my life uh, here and in my previous church. Man, I love, love dearly. Uh, J.R., I deeply love you, and I deeply love all of our deacons. I'm grateful for each one of you. I had a deacon one time by the name of Troy Hightower. Man, I'm telling you what, he was like E.F. Hutton. Man, when he talked, people listened. I, it was abs. How many remember E.F. Hutton? All the old people. God bless you. None of the young people. Usually if I Anyways, it doesn't matter. The bottom line is just simply this. He was a man that was filled with the Spirit of God. And man, if you wanted to know what, what uh, the church thought, you go to Mr. Troy Hightower. Mr. Troy Hightower is going to tell you like it is. His answer was always the same though, Dwight. His answer was, we need to love Jesus more. We just need to love Jesus more. If we'll love Jesus more, 
then we'll have every bit of money we need. If we love Jesus more, we'll have more people show up for outreach. If we love Jesus more, we'll ha have an, uh, a greater urgency to invite people to come to our church. If we love Jesus more. You talk about a walk of fullness. This man had a walk of fullness. Number five, they were men that were wise and competent. Men that were wise and competent. A deacon with wisdom serves the church in a skillful, deliberate, and organized way. Uh, in Stephen's day, a lack of skill would have only added to the murmuring and disgruntled church members of his day. But we notice that that stopped. In fact, many more people came to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior and Lord because these men were wise and they were competent. And then we see number six. Stephen possessed responsibility and dignity. Being a deacon is not about a status. It's about service. And I'm so grateful here at Maysville Baptist Church, we know that it's not a position to hold, but it's a work to do. I think about some of our deacons, and one of the ones I wrote down is Jay Moore. I don't know if you know this or not, but Jay Moore comes around here every night of the week, every night, makes sure all the doors are locked. We'll be gone from this place, and we'll be eating somewhere at Arby's or somewhere, sharing our faith, talking with others about Jesus. And come 9.30 or 10 o'clock, there'll be a car that'll pull up in this driveway. It'll be one of our deacons, and he'll check the doors to make sure they're all locked. Now, you may have never heard that, and he'd be embarrassed if I told you. But this is a ministry by which he does, one of which I'm very grateful for. He does it because he is walking in fullness as he serves the Lord. Number two, not only did Stephen walk in fullness, but Stephen also had a walk of faithfulness. He had a walk of faithfulness. Twice in the scriptures, the Bible records that Stephen was full of faith. He was faithful to the gospel. He was faithful to his testimony. He was faithful to the truth of scripture. As a matter of fact, when I think about the faithfulness of Stephen, I think about three things very quickly. Let me give them to you. Number one, he was faithful with God's ministry. When God gives us a ministry to do, he expects us to do it. Several weeks ago, I was sitting in my office when um, I had a gentleman come into our church that's been coming here for over 50 years. He sat down and he said something like this. I would never embarrass anybody. And I, I've tried to use people's names that I know are not going to be uh, embarrassed or, or anything like that. But I'm about to mention someone here that I love dearly and I think is a beautiful example of stick to itness in service. And that's a gentleman by the name of Amory Hall. You look around here today and you hadn't seen Amory in a while. And the reason why you hadn't seen Amory Hall here is because he's home. And the reason why he's home is he's taking care of his wife. She has Alzheimer's. Miss Marie used to stand at that door every week when I first came. And man, she would give out those bulletins with a smile. She would welcome us to church. Man, it was a beautiful, beautiful thing. I'm telling you, um, Alzheimer's is probably one of the most treacherous diseases that I've ever watched as a pastor. I know cancer's bad. I'm not trying to rank them. I'm just saying to be able to have health and your heart still beat and you lose your memory and you lose the memory of your children. You lose the memory of, of the ones you love. You, you lose the memories. It's a hard thing. And Amory Hall is taking care of his sweet wife this whole time. Never complaining. And this gentleman that came in my office just a few weeks ago said, I just want to thank God for Brother Amory. What an example he is to each one of us to continue in service. Brother Amory, many of you remember, 
uh, was a deacon. In fact, he's been the deacon chairman here before. And the fact of the matter, and not trying to embarrass him, but trying to just praise God for Brother Amory Hall. He's been serving the Lord now for over 50 years. Can I challenge you to do something this week? Could I challenge you to sit down and take a little note card and write Brother Amory Hall a little note and tell him thank you for your faithful years of service. You're an inspiration to what a biblical deacon has always been. We find here that Stephen was that same kind of man. When God gives us a ministry to do, he expects us to do it. And by the way, let me say this. Our first ministry men, our first ministry is our family. The first person on that ministry role, husbands are your wives and your children. Faithful in God's ministry. Number two, uh, Stephen was faithful with the gospel message. Stephen knew the scriptures and he was a great defender of the faith. He wasn't afraid to speak hard truth. He said, look, you remember what he said there uh, in, the, in the text when he began to uh, talk of these individuals over there in Acts chapter number 7 and verse 51. He says, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears. Uh, man, he flat told them. He, he gave them uh, a, a picture beyond imagination. If a picture could paint a thousand words, he flat painted a portrait before them to tell them they would stand before God guilty because of what the scripture says. You see, we're circumcised in the heart. But that circumcision also has to do with our ears as we hear the truth. I want to thank God for the men of God that are here and serve in our body and serve in the role of deacons as they defend the gospel message. And then number three, Stephen was faithful with good motives. Stephen's very countenance glowed from the inside out. When you looked to Stephen, you saw him as a man that had a life of purity, a life that was undefiled as he served the church and as he was ordained by God to do ministry. Again, I wouldn't dare embarrass anybody, but when I thought about this point and thought about Stephen's life, I thought about one of our deacons. I thought about, and I don't know if he's uh, here this evening, but I thought about Brother A. Brown. Here's a man that loves the Lord with a smile and has a countenance from the inside out. I don't know if you've ever spent any time with uh, Brother Abe, but I know Brother Abe loves you. And I know that he loves me. He makes sure that this place is spotless when we come in on Sunday morning. For that, I'm very grateful. He's our building and grounds guy here at the church, but he's also one of our deacons. I praise the Lord for all of our deacons and thank God that Abe loves the Lord from the inside out. All right, so let me give you the third one very quickly. And I, I've got to close. I'm out of time, and I need to get in this invitation. When we look at Stephen's life, we see a walk of faithfulness, a walk of fullness, and number three, watch this. We also see a walk of forgiveness. This is perhaps the truest mark of Stephen's Christ-likeness. You are never more like Jesus Christ than when you're forgiving someone. Forgiving someone forgiving them to the point of desiring that they be restored. Is there any sin that's worse than any other sin? Sin is sin in the eyes of God. And if God's a God of restoration, then the sin of murder means that someone has to be forgiven. Stephen, in the midst of his murder, looked up and just simply said, just as Jesus said on the cross, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Oh, may we be like Stephen and find our spiritual growth to the point 
where we're able to forgive and forgive others and help others get to that point of restoration. You know, it's easy, watch this, it's easy for the church to say, I forgive you. It's easy for the church to say that. It's easy for us to gather around and to love on people and to say, man, I forgive you, I love you, I want to be a part of that. But look, watch this. If that be true, if you really truly forgive someone, then what steps are you taking to help that person gain restoration back to the glory of God? Did that person who uh, received the forgiveness verbally from you, did that person lose their spiritual ability and spiritual gifts? Oh, no, they, may not, they must not have. But the point of the matter is simply this. Yes, restoration takes time. But if we truly forgive somebody, don't we, don't we want to see them reach somebody else for Jesus Christ? Stephen said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Do we want the applause of man? Or do we want a standing ovation of Jesus Christ as we enter the presence of God? Did you see what the Bible tells us about Stephen? The Bible tells us there that as Stephen was being stoned, the Bible says that he saw the heavens open and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Boy, can you get the picture there? There's God and Jesus there on the throne. And there they're looking down and there's Stephen defending the faith. There's Stephen, the deacon, not the preacher, the deacon sharing the gospel. There's Stephen, the, the deacon, defending the faith so the preacher can study the word of God, so the preacher can preach the word of God with passion and with zeal. And there's Stephen with the dirt on his sandals. There's Stephen with the dust on his robe. There's Stephen with zeal in his voice. There's Stephen with passion in his heart saying, you uncircumcised in heart and ears, you need Jesus. And being so indignant at what they heard, there they took up rocks and they began to stone Stephen. And as soon as they did that, there the Son of God stands. And as Stephen looks up and says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do, he sees Jesus Christ standing at the right hand of God, the Father, ready to welcome him. Do we want the applause of men or do we want the standing reception of Jesus Christ. I said, man, that's a hard pill to swallow, Pastor. You tell me. You preach that to me. It is. A deacon in his walk. Stephen walked with Jesus. Can I ask you a question this evening? Do you walk with Jesus? Do you walk with Jesus? I'm not just talking to deacons now. I'm talking to you. Do you walk with Jesus? If you don't, I want to ask you to do something. Would you recognize that tonight you're away from the Lord? And would you just simply say, Lord, I'm coming back to you tonight. I'm not going to ask you to come forward and kneel at the altar. I'm not going to ask you to do it. You can do that right where you're sitting. You can do that tonight. But tonight, if you want to recommit to the Lord, I'm going to challenge you to do so this evening. 
Just say, Lord, I, I confess, I, I haven't been having my quiet time like I should. I haven't been having my prayer time like I should. Lord, I'm guilty before you, and I'm asking, Lord Jesus, you forgive me of that. And Lord, I'm starting afresh right now. Would you do that? With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, maybe you're here tonight and say, Preacher, that's what I need. I, I just, I need a fresh start. I need a 1 John 1, 9. The Bible says if you'll confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. If you're here this evening and say, Preacher, I, I, that's what I need. I, I need a 1 John 1, 9. I'm the only one looking. Nobody else is looking. There's not even any counselors up here. Nobody, just me, just me and you. If you're here and say, that's me, preacher. Tonight, I need to, I'm going to recommit. Right here where I sit, I'm recommitting my heart to Jesus. If that's you, would you just slip your hand up and then right back down? God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. Somebody else? I want to just thank God and ask God's blessing on your life. God bless you. Thank you so very much. Thank you. God bless you. Is there another? Someone else? I'll wait just one. Thank you. God bless you. Amen. Amen. Maybe you're here tonight and maybe... You can't recommit because you never committed. Maybe you can't recommit because you never committed. Oh, yeah, you walked an aisle. Oh, yeah, you filled out a card. Oh, yeah, you got baptized. Oh, yeah, you were even ordained as a deacon. But you never committed your heart and life to Jesus. You see, confirmation can't save you. You see, dear friend, the sacraments can't save you. Receiving the Holy Eucharist cannot save you. Only Jesus Christ can save you. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. And the only way to come to the Father through Jesus Christ is you must come with a repentant heart. You must confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. The scripture is true. The Bible says that if you'll do so, you will be saved. Friend, if that's something you'd like to do tonight, if you'd like to commit, whether you're in this worship service or watching by way of video, if you'd like to do this this evening, would you just pray and would you ask the Lord this in your heart of hearts? Would you ask him from your heart to God's heart? Would you cry out to God? Would you say this, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And this morning, I ask you to save my soul. I repent of my sin tonight, and I trust you as my Savior. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name. Now, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, if you prayed that prayer, I want to welcome you to the family of God. If you're here in this room, I want to welcome you to the family of God. If you're watching by way of video, I want to welcome you to the family of God. Dear friend, would you let me pray for you? Here's how I want to do that this tonight. If you're watching by way of internet or listening by way of radio, uh, would you find a way to get in touch with me to let me know that you trusted Christ as Savior? If you're here tonight, you can do this one or two ways. We're going to stand up and have a time of invitation. If you'd like to join our church, we open the doors. If you would like to surrender for baptism, I'm going to ask you to come forward. If you trusted Christ as Savior, I'm going to ask you to come forward. This is a safe place, a place of, that you don't need to be embarrassed of or, or feel ashamed of. This is a place of healing, a place, a place of grace, a place of forgiveness, a place of love and great grace and mercy. We have our chairman of the deacons here tonight. 
He wants to pray with you. I have my evangelism pastor here tonight. He wants to pray for you. Would you come? Whatever your need, would you come to Jesus? Father, have your way, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. As we stand tonight, the invitation's been given. Would you respond as the Lord speaks? I have Father, I want to thank you so much for Sunday night. What a joy it is to be with the people of God on Sunday night. Thank you that we still have Sunday night service. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would help our Sunday evenings to grow. I pray, Lord Jesus, that uh, we would invite those that maybe not have Sunday night service. I pray we'd invite them to come. Lord, I pray, Lord Jesus, we continue to grow in our faith on Sunday nights. God, I want to thank you for our deacons. Thank you, Father that they love you. And thank you that they see their ministry as an act of service. And Lord, I pray that as we take care of the widows, I pray that as we take care of uh, our single parents, our single moms, Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would help us. Lord, give us wisdom as we help with our shut-ins, those that are homebound. Help us, God, to meet those needs that we might have a present-day, 21st-century God daily ministration where we distribute out uh, the opportunities for the help in our congregation. Help us to be aware of those, and Lord, help us to meet those needs. We love you, and we thank you that you love us. Thank you for our ministries here at Maysville. Thank you for our deacons. I pray your blessing upon them and their families. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you tonight for coming. Amen. We're good here. God bless you for coming. I'm going to hang down front here. I'd love to see you and pray with you and minister to you. God bless you. We'll see you Wednesday night, men, at the building. Everything else will be taking place here. God bless you. Have a great evening.